Teaching math is hard, and it's even harder if you hate math. When you're an upper elementary teacher, you're expected to be an expert in all of the subjects. So it can be hard to reach out to other teachers when you need help. And if you don't feel supported by your admin, then it's easy to feel completely lost and hopeless when it comes to teaching math. No wonder so many people hate it. But don't worry, you're not alone. You're now part of the best unofficial math PLC for upper elementary teachers learning to love math. Hey teacher, and welcome to the Learning to Love Math podcast. I'm Brittany. I'm a STEM teacher, math tutor, and the TPT seller behind Math with Minis. In just two years, I went from basically being math illiterate to having students make two years of gains with math in my classroom. I create courses and resources like this podcast to help third to fifth grade teachers foster math hack fluency without the stress. Welcome to our PLC. Hello, hello, teacher, and welcome back to the Learning to Love Math podcast. I hope you're having a great day, or if this is the start of your day, I hope that your day goes well, and I'm just so glad that you're here. I hope that you know it's not lost on me that you choose to tune in every week, or maybe you're binging all these together, and that you're a part of the Facebook group, but you're talking to me on Instagram. That's not lost on me. I am so grateful and thankful, so I just want to say thank you for being a part of it. And I really do want to hear from you. I want to make sure that everything I create is helpful for you and your students. So if there's a way that I can improve or maybe there's a topic that you definitely want me to cover or that you want to chat about in the group, please feel free to start the discussion yourself. I'd love to hear from you. So today, or I should just back up for a little bit. I have been doing a series on different theories for learning and teaching and education. And for the last few episodes, I've really covered the gamut and I've talked about the constructivism model. I still haven't talked about exactly what constructivism is, but a really short summary. The theory of constructivism is that students are always building upon what they already know, what they've already experienced. And so they're not blank slates, right? And I totally agree with that. But within the realm of constructivism, there are so many theories that have been developed over the last few hundred years. And so if you're really interested in that, or if maybe you're just brand new to teaching, or it's been a while since you've taught and you just want to review these things and maybe just think about, okay, how am I teaching in the classroom? Am I using best practices? Is what I'm doing most effective? And this is stuff that you like to nerd out and geek out about. Definitely go check out the last few episodes that I have. But today we're talking about behaviorism. We're kind of shifting gears and we're talking about another class of theories and stuff. And I think it's important to talk about because I have seen a big shift to push towards PBIS, which is positive behavioral instruction and support. And I actually work at a PBIS school. I have seen firsthand many benefits from using this type of model, but it's really based in behaviorism. And so I think it's really important as teachers, I kind of think it's teaching partly as a scientific pursuit where we're always looking at what are we doing? What's working? What's not? What could be better? And what are we doing that maybe has to change? And to really be able to decide where we're going, we have to know where we are and we have to know where we've come in education. So I think it's really helpful to look at the history of education, how it's evolved, how it's still changing now, and how what has become like standard practice in the classroom has been based on that. So behaviorism, what is it? So behaviorism is basically the belief that students' environment can impact their behavior and therefore their ability to learn. So we're going to be digging into this today. We're going to be, I'm going to help you make a decision of whether or not you agree with this to really help you think about what you think about this 
And that way, if one, your school decides that they're looking into the PBIS model or using some kind of positive reinforcement, you can make an informed and educated decision on what you think about it. Even if you don't have a decision-making power, I hope you do. I hope that your admins and other um, decision makers and shareholders at your school and at your board help you and listen to those decisions. But if they don't, at least you can control what you do in your classroom. And so I think this is a really important thing to think about. So I'm gonna ask some questions, okay? Is this true? Is it true that a student's environment can impact their behavior and therefore their ability to learn? I just want you to answer in your head, first thing that comes to your mind, yes or no? Okay, next question. Is a student's success so heavily dependent upon external factors or do internal factors play a component as well? Are they equally weighted in how they affect students? This is what we're going to be talking about and thinking through today. So really quick blitz to behaviors and theory, okay? This has been around since the early 19th century, really since students started having a formal classroom, schoolhouse education that we think about from pictures. And it's based on what can be observed and quantified in psychology. Psychology is such an interesting field because, and, and it's really related to education because we can't see what's going inside them, on inside the mind. We can't see someone's memories and we can't see what someone is thinking or feeling, but we can make inferences and we can get a lot of information based on people's behavior. And that's what behaviorism theory is, right? Is that we can, we can make decisions and we can see like what the impacts are based on how people respond to things. And that's what behaviorism is. And obviously behaviorism is something that's really closely studied in education because behavior affects so much, right? It definitely makes impacts for the teacher. If your students are compliant, talk about compliance in a second too. If your students are compliant, if they're listening, even if they're not actively engaged, it doesn't negatively impact the teacher as much as when students are acting out, when they're like showing signs of boredom, when maybe they're doing things that the teacher perceives as disrespectful. So behavior is a big deal. It's a big industry, I would even say, within education, and it's a big topic to think about. So we're going to be really diving into like, what do we think about behaviorism and what can we do as teachers about it in the classroom? if we believe it's it's really impactful. And the reason that I really want to talk about behaviorism today is because as we really dive into this back to school season, this is really responsible for the theory of positive reinforcement. So positive reinforcement is the theory that if you give somebody praise for something that you perceive as good or for a behavior that's desirable to you, then they are more likely to continue that behavior again. Um, and it's kind of different from like the punishment and discipline reward or style of managing people where it's like, okay, if someone does something you don't like, then you yell at them or you tell them to stop, right? It's like, instead, of, like it's, it's kind of like how some teachers or admin will say, say, tell the students to walk, please, instead of don't run. Because some people will say, well, if you say don't run, all the student hears is run, right? They don't hear the negative language or they just don't pay attention to it as much. And so a lot of teachers are taught, say the positive language because 
that's what's going to encourage students to do that. And I would say that, yeah, as a teacher, I have experienced this, that if I've taken, this is the really important caveat, if I've taken the time and I've prioritized building relationships with my students, then positive reinforcement definitely works because if my students care about me and, and what I want, or if they just care about their relationship with me, then they don't want to disappoint me. They don't want to frustrate me. They don't want me to be upset. And so they are more likely and more reliable to actually listen to and follow directions with what I say, right? So that's just something to think about. And I think that it's absolutely important to build relationships with your students, no matter what theory of teaching and learning you subscribe to or that you practice in the classroom. So, so, so important. And I think that it can be, or where I think it can be dangerous though, and this is where I'm gonna talk about really the, like what the impact of behaviorism is, is that it's a very heavy reward or heavy emphasis on the environment and rewards. And I think this is where we kind of get into the danger zone because with a welcoming environment, I think it's especially in the teacher and teacher gram, TPT seller space even, it's easy to scroll through Instagram and see these amazing Pinterest perfect Instagram beautiful classrooms and think like, oh, if I don't have that, then I don't have a warm, welcoming and inclusive environment in my classroom. And therefore, students won't be able to respond well and therefore they won't learn. And it's just so easy for us to get into that comparison mode. I often say compare and despair because looking at what other people are doing more than looking inward to see what you're doing as a teacher can really hurt you. And so it's just so easy to get into a rut of like, oh, what well, is my classroom really optimized or like, is it setting students up for success? And that can be so discouraging if you feel like the answer is no. And it can impact students too. Like if students see their peers, or at least if they perceive that their peers are thriving and excelling and they feel like they're not, and they feel like they're being left behind, they might not be as motivated to keep going because they might, you might hear students say things like this, like, oh, I'm not a math person, or I'm never gonna get good at this anyway. Oh, she always gets it. I don't get it. I'm dumb. I'm stupid. This is too hard. And those are things that we hear in the classroom all of the time. And that's because they're comparing with how their peers are doing, or maybe even with the pace of the class, right? And they feel like they can't keep up and therefore they're never going to get it. And so it's it can be really frustrating for them. I think it's so important that, yes, with the warm, inclusive and welcoming environment that we also welcome failure and that we also welcome a diversity as far as where students are at. And that means we have to be actively thinking about that. What is the language that we're using when students um, excel or when they're struggling and even with struggling that can be that I mean even that even though that may be true that might have a negative connotation right is there a way that we can reward that so I would say what I think now and we can disagree it's totally fine I'd actually love to hear what you think in the Facebook group if you're not already a part of it definitely go join is yes to an extent I absolutely think that external factors are huge right like I mean Basically, every teacher sees that when parents are really involved in their students, their, their kids' lives, students tend to thrive better, right? If a student thinks their teacher likes them, then they're going to work a little bit harder, right? Those external factors matter. If the student feels safe, if they have had enough food, right? If they've had enough sleep, those, those external factors are so, so, so important and I can't stress them enough. But one, like I said, with the danger, not just with the environment, but even with the rewards, what we can run into is then 
we're incentivizing students to have intrinsic motivation. And that means wanting to do something because they want to get better, because they want to be really good at whatever it is they're doing, or because they love learning. And that's one big reason for this podcast, to be honest, not just for the students, but for you. Like it is so hard to want to get better at math and to take the time to be reflective and to put ourselves through more professional development. Like we see it as a chore. And honestly, I do sometimes too, even though I love to learn because we think like ourselves, we think the same thing, right? We think, oh, I'm not a math person. I'm not smart. I don't get this. Um, I'm, I'm too old for, for this before too. I'm too old to learn something new or I'm too young. I don't have enough experience yet. So we use all these excuses to basically keep ourselves safe and to keep ourselves from putting ourselves out there, being in a position to grow and change and progress as educators. And it's no judgment for me. It's just something that happens. It's something that I find myself doing too. Mindset is such a big part of that. And so when we become in love with the actual learning processes itself, and when we can foster that in students, then it becomes easier to motivate them without having to use physical rewards. Now, physical rewards are still important, right? Like we don't teach for free, right? At least I don't know anyone who teaches for free. And it's not because we don't love teaching, but it's because we know that like we want to be rewarded and paid for our work and for our worth, right? So we want the benefits and we want to have the salary and we want to have all of the perks and stuff. And that's not to say that we don't love learning any less. We don't love teaching any less. And, you know, there's a place for external rewards too, but you can tell, you can tell when a teacher truly loves being in their classroom and when they are giving their extra money and time and effort so their students can have the best education possible. And we want to instill that in our students. We want for them to learn to love math and to love learning in general so that they can continue to be motivated to be independent learners. And punishments can decentivize us. Like, I don't know about you, but it can be really easy to feel discouraged, especially if you feel like your fellow teachers or your admins or even your students, that they're not paying attention to what you're doing. They're not acknowledging it. They're not praising you for it. And I have heard a lot that like, well, you know, teachers should just get on with it, right? But no, it's it's hard. And it's not even just a millennial thing. I've heard that too from other generations. Like, oh, you millennials, you just want to be praised for your work. I'm like, everybody wants to be praised for their work, right? And even for their efforts. Like if I see a student who has been consistently working hard. Now, I want to have a quick note about compliance. I, I think that compliance is also a dangerous zone because a student could be a student can have a pencil to paper and look like they're learning when they're not actually focusing. They could be doodling or whatever. So compliance is not really something I look for, but you do want to have a relationship that's strong enough where the student wants to comply and try to do what you're what you're asking them to do. And you want to avoid punishments. I'm all about discipline. I think discipline can be positive and relational and restorative. And you want to be able to teach students right from wrong in the classroom. And you want to be able, you have to enforce rules and expectations to an extent. But you don't want to punish them for doing something bad. You want to reward them for doing something good. And that is the whole theory behind behaviorism. So those are my thoughts. I would love to hear yours. If Again, if you haven't already, definitely join the Upper Elementary PLC Facebook group. It's totally free. I'd love to hear what you think. I will link to that post in the show notes so you could just easily click on it unless you're driving or something. I totally get that. Just check in with us later. Or you can let me know over on Instagram at mathwithminis. If you prefer to read 
read the post. You can do that. I'll include the link for that in the show notes as well. And I would love it if you would share this podcast with a teacher friend or the blog post if they prefer to read. That's about it for today. I will talk to you all next week. Thanks so much for hanging out with me today. I truly believe that you are absolutely capable of teaching math, that all students are capable of learning math, and that we are all capable of learning to love math.